Hello and welcome, Nationals fans, to the Dogcast, where we grab the podcast in with both hands, just like Alex Ovechkin with the Prince of Wales trophy. I'm your host, Blake Finney, and believe me when I say, I want it that way. And that's our Backstreet Boys reference over for today. Later on, we look ahead to the Marlin series with Marlin Maniac site expert, Kevin. But first, we're going to look back at the series with the San Diego Padres. Nats took it 2-1, to one, despite the loss on Wednesday. Uh, and in terms of our player of the series, there are quite a few good candidates, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, but I think this time it's got to be Mark Reynolds. He went 6-10, for 10, two home runs in the first game of the series when the Nats had their big offensive breakout. And he's really solidified the right-handed side of the platoon in Ryan Zimmerman's absence. I think they've especially faced quite a lot of left-handed pitching. The Padres threw two out there. The Dodgers had Rich Hill and Alex Wood. Obviously, Rich Hill only lasted a couple pitches, but it got Mark Reynolds to start. And ever since he's joined the team, he's been mightily impressive. He's gone 11 for 23, four home runs, albeit uh, split up between two, two home run performances. Hitting 478 with a 1.563 OPS, and that's just ridiculous numbers. Don't expect him to continue at this pace, especially with his tendency for strikeouts, and I think that's always going to be a part of his game, but we could see him perform, especially for someone who has sat on his couch in mid-April. He's definitely going to be uh, a decent part of this team, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out when Ryan Zimmerman comes back. And now it's your... One Soto season section of the podcast. We might need to get a sponsor for that name. Um, But he played all three games in this series. He started off against Robbie Erling in the first game, had the big home run in the second at bat. A lot of people seem to think, oh, first at bat, first at bat, first at bat as a starter. Uh, But he was also almost equally as impressive in the second game. He went one for one, but the three walks, albeit it was three four-pitch walks, They weren't easy to lay off, especially in the ninth inning where he needed to lay off and keep a cool head in a tie game rather than where some young players will swing away, try and win the game there and then. He waited it out and then obviously Michael A. Taylor hit one over Jankowski's head and that wrapped up that game. Taylor had an okay series. He, He had the big hits and he's come up clutch for this team before, but We still need to see that on a consistent basis and he needs to start getting on base more so that the offense can have less days like Wednesday where they just get shut out. Bryce Harper is still seemingly getting locked in at the plate. He went four for 12 in this series and he leads the National League in 15 home runs. And for all that's being made of his low batting average, again, we talked about it last time. Brian wrote a piece about how not to be worried. The batting average on balls in play is ridiculously low and that's got to change and hopefully with a few more series like this, he'll start to build that back up to the 280, 290, even 300s that we've seen from him before. So I'm definitely not concerned about Bryce Harper. Keep hitting him second or third. I do like Soto hitting behind Harper to get on base for him and that could certainly be a theme that we see moving forward. Uh, on Wednesday in the loss, we did get our first glimpse of Eric Fetty in a Major League uniform this year. And he definitely impressed. Five and two-thirds, five hits, three earned runs, although there may be some debate about the Bryce Harper error that then got overturned. Uh, one walk and six strikeouts. And he definitely looked like his old self, the 
but the self that we saw as a starter in the minor league compared to the the shadow of himself that we saw last year after the failed bullpen experiment that really messed with him. So we saw him up in the 95s, 96s. He had that sinking fast where he was getting a lot of soft contact. And the six strikeouts, that's pretty much the norm for him. He has been a lot of a, he has been a big strikeout pitcher in the minor league. So hopefully we can see more of that going forward. He may not be someone that's going to overtake someone in the rotation right now, especially with how it's pitching. But should there be an injury, Nationals know all about injuries. Uh, he'll be right at the front of the queue, and that's clearly like him enough, and probably more so than anyone else in that AAA rotation at the moment. Uh, we've talked about the strength of the starting rotation, but in this series, the bullpen definitely showed up. Didn't give up a single run in nine innings of scoreless ball, and it was much needed for them. They've been struggling to keep games close, especially on games like Tuesday, where Hellickson came out after five and a third, and we saw Wanda Swearer really step up with one and two-thirds scoreless innings there. And he's going to be a key part of this moving forward. You've got Doolittle, Kinsler, Madsen when he comes back, locking down the seventh, eighth, and ninth. Sammy Solis might even be temporarily bumped up to the seventh inning. So Swearer could be a guy who's going to come in in these tight games where they don't want to use their big arms until late in the game or when they're in the lead. So... If he can keep that up, he's definitely going to be a big part of this bullpen moving forward. And speaking of the bullpen, the Nationals made a couple moves, obviously, around the Eric Fetty promotion for Wednesday. They DFA'd Carlos Torres, who obviously hasn't really impressed with the Nationals, and I think he's on the downswing of his career now. But they did purchase Justin Miller from Syracuse, who has looked really impressive for them so far this season. He has a perfect uh, zero ERA. Trying to figure out how to say zero. Uh, with 23 strikeouts in just 13 innings. And he has a little bit of major league time with the Rockies primarily, but obviously he has a ER, career ERA over four. So that might be something to watch whether he can step up, but obviously zero ERA and almost two strikeouts an inning is ridiculous. And hopefully if he can do what Tim Collins has shown in his appearance so far and of tied it over we don't need Collins and Miller to be dominant arms in the bullpen we just need them to eat innings don't give up too many runs if they sit there with a ERA of three three and a half they're doing their job and to keep those games close is exactly what they want you can't have seven or eight completely locked down guys in the bullpen that just doesn't happen unless you're the Yankees and just chuck your money at people but obviously with the Competitive balance tax now, that's not any that's not a thing any team can do right now. So you've got to have these guys who will plod along, give you good innings, and generally at the back end of the bullpen, it is a bit of a crapshoot. You need to hope that some guys that you call up from the minors do their job uh, on the cheap while you can pay the big guys like Doolittle Kinsler on a free agent deal and so on. So I look forward to seeing what he can do. Another right-hander in the pen, so we're still uh, only on the three with Colin, Solis, and Doolittle. Obviously, Solis and Doolittle may well be tied up in the late-inning roles now, but he'll definitely bring something, and hopefully he'll be a bit more promising than Carlos Torres was, who was giving out quite a few runs in all his appearances. So joining me now to look ahead to the Nat series with the Marlins is Marlin Maniac, site expert, Kevin Krakowski. I had to re rehearse that name beforehand. How are you doing, Kevin? 
Hey, it's good to be here, Glake. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, it'd be good to get some insight on the Marlins. So, so far, the Marlins are bottom of the NL East, 19 and 30 record, uh, second worst in the NL behind only the Reds. Um, but they did a, a favor in their last series against the Mets. So they took two out of three. Uh, what did you see during that series? Because I think you've won a few lately. Uh, that, that was our fifth series that we won this year. I, I say we like I'm part of the team, but I'm not part of the team. Um, now we, we had some pretty good pitching from uh, Caleb Smith. Caleb Smith, not a lot of people have heard of him. We got him last year from the Yankees. And uh, you might not know about him, but he, he's, uh, he's a pretty good pitcher. He, he struck at 11.9 per nine innings so far this year. And he's uh, I think he's got 65 strikeouts already. Um no one's heard of him, but uh, he's doing pretty well. Also, uh, Wei and Chen just got back from injury, and he's he's pretty decent sometimes. Uh, but we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I think we got uh, we're sending Arena out to see you tomorrow. Yeah, uh, I think I think we uh, we avoid Caleb Smith. I was looking at him beforehand and I, when picking out our players to watch, which will come in a second. And yeah, he he's striking out a ton of batters. I kind of heard of him coming into the season, but. Uh, what are we missing out on, I guess? Uh, aside from that, you know, I mean, national fans, of course, are familiar with JT Real Muto. So I know they're all very much wanting to get their hands on him. And I know that you probably – the Nationals are probably going to make a pitch for him sometime around the trading deadline. And uh, they told us, no, no, no Juan Soto. Can't have that guy. But uh, who do you think – who do you think that the Nationals would uh, – possibly offer for in for real muta services uh it's a good question twisting it around and asking me the question um <laughs> i think i think robles is still off limits but that may change with his injury um so i think any sort of package would be based around perhaps carter key boom uh he's the third prospect for the next place shortstop third base um and i think the marlins are last in run so they need to get some of these young hitting prospects in Yeah, we're not very good at uh, scoring, or well, you know, the the whole world ha thinks that the Marlins are just an inept franchise. But there's a there's a lot of promise on the team, and our our farm system is a lot better than it used to be. We've been dead last for the last um, I think three seasons, and uh, after the yeah, you want to call it a fire sale, it's more of a retooling. Uh, we have the 15th ranked farm farm system now, which is which is middle of the pack, but it, it's better than it used to be. Um, you know, and then coming up on trade deadline, we're probably going to be shopping Real Muto, probably shopping Starling Castro. Miguel Rojas is steady increasing his uh, trade value. Uh, this guy never hit more than one home run before in a year. He hit seven so far. Uh, Brian Anderson, hands off him. I, I think he's we'll be keeping him. Mm. Yeah, we uh, we actually ran a poll beforehand. Uh asking who the Nats would most want to trade for. I think that we had a couple of respondents saying E, none of the above. Uh, but Real Muto was the runaway leader with 75%. And although he started on the DL, he's been pretty unstoppable since with a 316 average, six home runs, 16 RBI. So it'll be interesting to see. I don't know if the Nats will make a huge push for him. Uh, I think Severino shining for the Nats behind the plate is going to be the big factor. If he was still struggling like they saw in spring training, then... The, the need might become great. So um, I guess 
other than the fact that he runs, that's what everyone seems to point out when there's a lot more to him than that. Uh, what, what what do you have within Real Muto? Real Muto's got a lot of uh, positive qualities. He's a catcher who can run. It's his, That's the gold standard right there. Uh, <laughs> he guns down guys at almost 50%. I think he's at 33% this year. Uh, he's... He can steal bases. He doesn't do it much, but but he steals eight to ten bases a year. Uh, he, he's hitting above three hundred now, and uh, I think he's having. I mean, he missed the first three weeks of the season, but he, I think he's second in the league for catchers hitting home runs right now. Uh, I mean, is is pop time? Uh, you, you know, pop time is that's uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's, he was clocked at one point nine seconds last night throwing a guy out at second, which is the fastest recorded stack cast time since they started keeping track in 2015. Yeah, I think his, his defense is massively underrated purely because everyone, when everyone sees him, they go, oh, yeah, he's catcher who steals bases. That's a novelty. Well, he, he's a he's an average pitch framer, but everything else he's above average in. Hmm. Uh, uh, pitch, power, yeah. speed, everything. Oh, go on. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can see why a lot of teams will be after him. I just... I'm not sure because of Severino, it's the right fit, and they'll they'll do something in the winter to get mm-hmm. potentially a veteran back up there. Uh, one of the guys that I I have a fantasy baseball man crush on is Lewis Brinson, the really highly touted prospect that they got in the Christian Yelich trade, but he's struggled so far with a 162 average. But then there's seven home runs and 17 RBIs. Is it just a case of working through the kinks with Brinson? Britson looks a little bit outmatched against major league pitching. He struck out 58 times already. Uh, like you said, he's hitting 162. Um, it's either feast or famine. He, he's only uh, had, a, I think, four multi-hit games this year. Like I said, he, he looks overmatched in a lot of uh, matchups when he's, when he's hitting. But I think it's just a matter of the pieces coming together for him. I mean, he hit over 330 last season at AAA. So he, he knows what he's doing. He just hasn't done it yet. I, I think maybe he'll break out, hopefully this weekend against you guys, maybe later, but it's going to happen. And the Marlins are in a unique position to let him have that chance. They're letting him grow into it. The Marlins aren't trying to win right now. So so why not let the guy take his lumps early? And yeah. I, that's the, that's the uh, approach that they're taking with it. Yeah, exactly. And we saw, like you say, in AAA, he was hitting 330 for the Brewers, albeit I think the strikeouts were still there and that might be getting magnified. But he's seen the breaking pitches. It's just the quality of them is a lot better. And is that what's generating a lot of swing and miss? It's a lot of swing and miss. <laughs> <laughs> he's got he's got kind of a uppercut swing that's kind of uh, kind of hampering him a little bit. He's got this uh, he's got to work it out. I'm not I'm not a scout by any means. But uh, he, he seems to be taking these giant swings and everything. And, and you know, he, he's uh, got all the worst things that you can see for a hitter going on. Uh, but he's, he's going to get better, I promise. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I just dropped him in fantasy. I might have to pick him up again eventually. Uh, <laughs> and I think the, the one guy I wanted to touch on for you guys kind of in the back end of the bullpen is Kyle Bearclaw, even though it's Barraclough. Uh, but he's a, he's been a dominant reliever for you guys. He's got a one, 1.59 ERA and over a strikeout and inning. Is he someone 
you're kind of surprised hasn't overtaken Brad Ziegler as the closer. And he, is he a potential trade chip or is he someone that the Marlins are going to lock down for a while? I hope they don't trade him. He's, he's a hidden gem. He's got a whip below one this late in the season. It's his, uh, he hasn't struck out as, as, as many guys as he used to, but he's also walking a lot fewer batters. Uh, he, he's, he's famous for walking and striking out a lot of guys. And uh, I think he, he struck out 14 guys per season back in 2016. 14 guys per nine innings, I bet. Um, his, his walks per nine is down to 5.2, and his strikeout per nine is da- down to 10.3. Um, he's, I don't know, I, I, I've, uh, I've campaigned for him to be the closer. I mean, you know, for, for what it takes on, uh, on Twitter. <laughs> I'm not associated with the team at all. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I hope they, they uh, use Bear Claw on a closer role pretty soon. I think he's grown into it. He's only allowed nine hits so far this year. Nine hits in mm. almost 23 innings. Yeah, I think um, I think his time may well come when they when they trade Ziegler. I think he's Ziegler is in a one-year deal or something like that. So he's almost certain to be gone even for minimal cost, you would think. So is that the time that we could see Bear Claw? Uh, Bear Claw, right now he's, uh, they got Steckenrider, Bear Claw, and Ziggler to close out games. Those are the seven, eight, nine guys. Uh, Nick Whitgren can easily fill in from the backside, and they can just push everybody one inning to the right. Uh, Nick Whitgren can be seven, Steckenrider eight, and put Bear Claw in the ninth. He's, I don't think he's going to get more ready. He turned 28 years old yesterday. We all know mm-hmm. that 28 uh, year old. 28 years old is the peak of a baseball player's abilities. Uh, I think it's 28 to 31 or something like that. Uh, Ziegler is on a – he is signed only through this year. Hmm. Yeah, I, I like how you left Guerrero out after the uh, the Atlanta Braves incident. Guerrero? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that was a that was a rough uh, a rough time, but he's, he's an exciting pitcher. Uh, he's been all season – we didn't see him all last year. Uh, he came over from to us uh, from the Padres in the uh, Josh Naylor trade, and uh, we didn't see him last year. He's in the minor leagues, and uh, this year he, he was, w- with that exception, he's been pretty outstanding. Hmm. Yeah, he blew up against the Braves, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, are there any nationals that you're particularly keen to see? Maybe one big name and one uh, lesser known name. Well, not less known, but. Oh, well, can I can I be excited and scared at the same time? Uh, Max Scherzer is, I think, pitching tomorrow. Hmm. And, uh, well, <laughs> what 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 don't I know about Max Scherzer? He's, he's got uh, 148 wins. He's 33 years old. He doesn't seem like he's lost a step at all. I think he's better this year. Has he struck out 104 guys in 66 innings? <laughs> yeah. I think he's... It's a weird scenario where you give him that seven-year, $210 million contract, I believe, and then he's actually going to turn out to be a bargain for the whole contract. Usually you you expect what you get for the first three years, that's what you paid for, and then you live with what's coming. But he's going to be the same for the, the whole seven-year contract. And, yeah, you get to see him on Friday. Is this about as no-hit-or-watch as you can get for any matchup this season? I don't. Now, now look, Arena is 0-7, but he hasn't pitched that badly. Hmm. But throwing him up against Scherzer, I don't know. Scherzer looks unhittable. 
he's a little bit scary. And uh, yeah. I do want to know about uh, Soto a little bit. Uh, what he scares me a little. Uh, what's the book on Soto? Uh, well, 19 years old, which is a bit depressing how young he is. Um, but he, he's he been a, a bat-first type player. Um, he hit He's hit about 350 throughout the minor leagues. Uh, the power's really come on this year. I think he's hit 15 in total, 14 in the minors, and then obviously the uh, second at-bat home run that he got on Saturday. Um but his plate discipline is miles beyond his years. We saw it in his second start where he went one for one with three walks and he took um, three four-pitch walks. And they weren't miles out of the zone. There were a few close ones that he didn't swing at, especially one in the, the ninth inning that caused the walk-off. You get a lot of young hitters swinging at the close pitches to try and make something happen, but he took took his four-pitch walk and ended up scoring the winning run that day. So, yeah, I think Nats fans are really excited for Soto and He'll certainly be someone to watch this series. Oh, I was just looking at the matchups. It looks like we're getting Strasburg, too. Not a break for us, huh? <laughs> yeah, you got Tanner Roark there in the middle. He's no slouch. Mm. Uh, I think for for me, I'm interested to see what we do at first base throughout the series. We've had uh, kind of Jekyll and Hyde the last week or so with Matt Adams playing against right-handers. Uh, he's been in a 3-for-29 slump before he went three for three in the finale against the Padres. And then also Mark Reynolds, who's turned into a bit of a bargain for the Nets. He's hitting 478, which is the least Mark Reynolds average number I've seen in a while. 478. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, Zimmerman is, we're not going to see him again this year? Uh, Zimmerman's still on the DL. I think he started swinging a bat not long ago. So hopefully he'll be back soon, but... We don't quite know what will happen when he comes back if Adams and Reynolds keep hitting. Yeah, Reynolds is uh, – I don't know if he's going to keep up that 478 batting average. Don't hold your breath on that. Not a chance. But <laughs> I think he could – OPS over 1.5, my goodness. Yeah, he could, <laughs> he could hit about 280, I think. I think the, stri- the strikeouts are never going to leave his game at all. Um, and don't expect the hit that was in Colorado last year Causefield does funny things to people, but he is a nice bench bat to have and to have him there as depth. He certainly shouldn't have been uh, sitting on the couch at home middle of April. Right. I see you've lost Howie Kendrick now too. Yeah, uh, he ruptured his Achilles about a week ago now, I believe. Um, They put him on the 60 days, so he's gone for a while. he's, He's done for the year. My goodness, that's too bad. Uh, so now we're going to take a look at each of the matchups individually. I think we jumped ahead a, li- a little bit with the first one. So it's Jose Arena against Max Scherzer on Friday at 7.10 p.m. Max Scherzer 7-1 and one with a 1.78 ERA. And you touched on it before, Jose Arena 0-7 with a 4.55 ERA. So do the, do the hitters just not like Arena? It seems a bit of a lopsided record for not too terrible ERA. It's not great. But they've, they've only scored him. They, they've scored twenty three runs in ten games for him. I I, I don't. I'm not good at um, <laughs> at the baseball reference research as I should be, but I'd imagine two point three runs per game is not a lot of support. No, no. Even a, a quality start that gets you a loss six innings, three runs. So he, so uh, 
for a little context, he, he went 14 and seven last year. This year he's 0 and seven. He's already matched his loss column from an entire season from last year on the strength of which that he, he was named the opening day starter for the Marlins. Um, yeah, I think everyone remembers how that first pitch of the entire 2018 season went. Yeah, I'm not going to forget that anytime soon. <laughs> Ian Happ, of all people. <laughs> yep. I was top of my fantasy league for about five seconds. <laughs> um, so you, you mentioned it before. There's uh, Max Scherzer facing him, and it doesn't look like an opportune moment to get his first win of the year. He's... Four and two with a 2.06 ERA at the New Marlins Park in seven starts. But I did notice that Martin Prado rakes against him. Between the Braves and Marlins, he's got a 4.19 average. So potentially not no hitter watch. So I teased a bit <laughs> earlier. Um, are you, it, it does feel like at this point he is a future Hall of Famer. I think I don't think it's too much of a stretch to throw that around now. Yeah. Urena's not a future Hall of Famer, probably. No. <laughs> but but he's, you know, in spite of this 0-7 record, he's got career best 3.71 fielding independent pitching. Uh, he's got a career best 1.22 whip. Um, he's striking out batters uh, at uh, 7.1 per nine innings, which is also career best. He's, I mean, it's just the lack of run support. Mm. Yeah, it feels like when the Phillies had Jeremy Hellickson trying to be their ace, he's he's not an ace type pitcher. He's kind of a number three or number four and would be really good at that. But right now on the rebuilding team, he's got to go and try and be the ace, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's the default ace. Um, now, now we got Dan Straley. I'm sorry, I don't want to jump ahead. Uh, right. I'm ask here, but uh, we got Yarlin Garcia who started out uh, – his career as a starter with 10 no-hit innings. Uh, no one saw that coming. They put him back in the bullpen for now. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Dan Straley, of course, is back. He's 2-0. and uh, They won last night's game, but they won it in the ninth inning. So he didn't, of course, win, earn the win in that uh, situation. Yeah. Um, I think we avoid Straley this series. I think we've got Chen and... Uh, Elisa Hernandez, but we'll we'll talk about that in a bit. Do you have a prediction for the first game? I think I've got the Nationals coming out fairly comfortable, uh, five nothing. Well, what kind of fan would I be if I picked the Nationals to win? <laughs> I'll let you off. I think uh, I think as long as Max Scherzer's in, uh, the Marlins may score one or two runs, mm. maybe. But uh, Scherzer's been awesome, just awesome. Uh, if the Marlins can scrape something together in the later innings, possibly against the whatever you got in the bullpen there, <laughs> maybe. But uh, I, I, I'll say that the Nationals are probably scraped together a win in that first game. Yeah, um, I think I think the Marlins' only hope in that one is to keep it level, and then the Nationals' kind of middle relief hasn't been its strength this year and has given up some runs. So that's that's the slim hope for Marlins fans. If you're listening, I'm not. Completely ruling you out, but more or less so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, does Scherzer go uh, the full nine innings a lot? Uh, I think David Martinez has been leaving him in, and he's he's been trying to get seven innings out of his starters of late, pushing them a bit a bit farther than I would 
like to see because he's uh, he's sent them out when they've had 102, 105 pitches in the last few games. So I think Scherzer could easily go long, maybe even a complete game if he keeps the pitch count down. So we'll see. Well, it all depends on, like you said, uh, Martin Prado's done well against him, uh, if nobody else. Hmm. Uh, Prado's had a rough start to the year here. He, he, was, uh, he, he stayed out of the first month of games because uh, he was uh, nursing a leg injury. And since he's come back, he's, he's below the Mendoza line by about 20 points. But last night, of course, he, uh, he had that pinch hit, and uh, the Marlins won that game. Mm. So maybe maybe he's breaking out of it. Mm. Uh, so second up, we've got Wei Yin Chen facing off against Tanner Roark on Saturday at 4.10 p.m. Tanner Roark 2-4 with a 3.39 ERA. Wei Yin Chen with a 1-2, 6.55 ERA. Uh, the Nats have seen Chen quite a lot. Uh, between his time in Baltimore and Miami, but he's one and five with a four six nine ERA in eight appearances. Uh, is that six five five ERA? I assume just a small sample size, because from what I've seen of him previously, he's not that bad. No, he's he's not that bad. Um, he, like I said, he he missed his first uh, what would have been his first five starts of the year uh, on the IR. He's uh, he's made five starts now. And uh, he wasn't very good. His last two starts have been a little bit more encouraging. He's he's surrendered a total of eight hits over his last ten innings, which is a little bit better. Uh, he struck out eight guys over that time frame and uh, allowed eight hits. Before that, he was just dreadful. His first uh, three starts, he was he was shellacked two of those times. Uh, I expect these these numbers to come down for him. And uh, I think if the Marlins are going to pull a win together, it's going to be on the Saturday game against Tanner Roark. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think this, given how the other matchups have lined up with Arrhenia against Scherzer and Hernandez against Strasbourg, this is the one that they're going to put all their eggs into um, into one basket if they can. Uh, Tanner Roark has been turning it around of late. Uh, with that 3 3 ERA, he's brought that down from about four and a half, and he's only got a, a, a 101 whip, so he's definitely kind of reverting to his old self that we saw back in about 2014 and 15, where he was the Nats third or fourth, third or fourth star. So what have you seen of Tanner Art when he's faced the Marlins? And uh, is this someone that, like you say, they've really got to get to? O'Rourke's not a, uh, not what I would call a, a, he's not a heavy strikeout guy. He's never struck out nine batters per inning or nine batters per, per game before. But uh, I noticed that, it, that those numbers are steadily coming up throughout his career. Uh, I think he's striking out 8.2 this year per nine mm. innings, which would be his, his uh, the best of his career. Mm. Yeah. Uh, go on. Uh, I think it, it's mainly down to his two-seamer. He's been getting a lot of movement on it. I don't know if he's been, been talking to maybe Brandon Kinsler, who also has that devastating two-seamer. And from, from me, that's what I've seen. And he's been using it as a real weapon against lefties to – brush them back with a fastball and then bring the two-seamer cutting in. Uh, I like doing my uh, my hand movements on our hangouts call that our listeners aren't going to see. <laughs> well, um, you know, we, we've seen Roark a lot. I think we've uh, – he, he's pitched against us 21 times. That's the most he's pitched against any team. And uh, we hit him pretty well. Uh, only the St. Louis Cardinals hit better against him out of all the National League teams. Uh, he holds a 1.35 whip against us. 
if there's one guy we can touch, it's it's Roark. Mm. So yeah, I think see that we have we're gonna have a crack at something, anyways. Yeah, he's five and eight with a four one nine ERA against you guys. So there's definitely a chance. Have you got a prediction for this one? Uh, who I got, Chen? Chen, Chen against Roark. Yeah. Um, you're gonna see a relief pitcher from us, probably somewhere in the fifth or the sixth inning, because Chen hasn't worked up his uh, stamina yet. Depends on how the bullpen holds together. But uh, I, I'd say the Marlins will take this one. If any, this one. Hmm. I watched them flip it all and lose the ones they're supposed to win and win the ones they're supposed to lose. But, uh, yeah, I'll say 5-3 to three Marlins in game two. Yeah, I, de- I think I've had that on the, on the podcast a couple of times where I've predicted the Nets to win two and drop another, and then it's been the completely other way around. Um, right. For me... Yeah. I think this one's going to be a tight one. Maybe we could see Harling Garcia for two, three innings out of the pen. Garcia was fantastic. Uh, and then they, they put him in the bullpen. And he hasn't he hasn't been great since they put him in back in the bullpen again. Uh, I think he should be starting. I think if they're going to run him out of the bullpen, maybe they should consider if they, if they have to <laughs> – they don't want him in the rotation. They should send him down to AAA, keep him in the rotation there because this is a starting pitcher. He's not going to be a reliever. He's going to be a starter. Uh, they're delaying the inevitable. I really like this guy as a starter. But if you see him in relief, he's not the same He's not the same pitcher in relief. Hmm. Yeah, I think I have the Nats winning this one 4-3. to three. Um, But, yeah, it's, def- it's definitely one I could see going either way with um, – the Marlins' success against Roark historically. Right. Well. <laughs> um, and then last off on Sunday at 1.10pm, we've got Elisa Hernandez against Steven Strasburg. Elisa Hernandez is 0-1 with a 2.08 ERA. He's been doing all right so far. Um, six years in the minors with a 3.37 ERA and exactly a strikeout per nine innings. So... I think he's only had a couple of starts with you guys. What's the scouting report on Hernandez? Hernandez, now you got to understand, he's a Rule 5 draft pick. Uh, we just we just got him. He, he has to stay on the roster. Uh, they had him pegged for the starting rotation, and right near the end of spring training, he had a, uh, had a tooth infection that landed him on the DL. And as soon as that healed up, he got uh, – he had another freak injury. I forget if it was a – Stump toe, or it was something ridiculous. But uh, then he shows up. He's never pitched above high A before, never. And suddenly here he is in the rotation, and uh, dude's not bad. <laughs> hmm. He's he's a lot better than than we thought he would be. Uh, he hasn't turned a victory yet, but again, uh, win is about the, about the most useless major league baseball stat there is uh, these days. But uh, Hernandez has pitched in two games, gone five innings each time. He's allowed eight hits over those ten innings and struck out five batters. Uh, I like him better out of the bullpen, but they want him as a starter. And they're, they're dedicated to it. And, you know, if you got to throw a, a high A guy in your rotation, do it in a year like this year. They're not. No one's expecting the Marlins to win more than 60 games. Mm. So, yeah, I think – so sometimes with these Rule 5 picks, I think um, Delino de Shields for the Rangers is probably a good example where 
they're not quite ready, but teams have left them exposed because they're so far away. And for the Marlins, it's a good chance to keep him there while you can. And then uh, as long as you keep him on the roster, you've got him for the, um, the rest of his contract. So even if you have to work through some kinks, a bit like with Brinson, uh, just to make sure you still have that prospect and he's getting the major league experience. So there's definitely something there for him. Right. Um, so we're going up against Strasburg. Has he lost a step? Uh, he's five and four with a three, three, six ERA. Usually he kind of kicks on later in the season. We used to see in this Strasburg early in the season where the K, the K's are always there, but sometimes he has the bad innings snowball on him. Uh, but he's on pace for a career high 1.3 home runs per nine innings. So the long ball could be a key on in this one. Um, and again, early in the season, he usually kind of ho-hums his way and then August and September he kicks on. So we'll see what he has against you guys. Yeah, I remember a few years ago, I think it was uh, possibly 2013, Strasburg was still a young pitcher and uh, the Nationals throttled him at 180 innings and said, no more. We're going to save him for later. And the Nationals were contended for a pennant. And I I couldn't believe the strategy at the time. But uh, it seems to have paid off in the long run. He's he's uh, pretty solid. He's only been on the DL, I think, twice since then, maybe three times. I think he's been on the DL um, every year. But, yeah, that's uh, that was <laughs> – I think that was 2012, the first year the Nats made the playoffs. Um and there was all the controversy around it about how they should have started him. Um, that was a- obviously, they're starting to reap the rewards now. And then if you compare it to when the Mets pitched Matt Harvey through the postseason in 2015, and you look how that turned out in 2016 and 17. So based on that, it does look like the right decision for the, for the Nationals. And they signed him to the six-year contract extension. Um, might double-check that. But they signed him to that. So he's going to be with the Nationals for a lot longer. Well, I like Strasburg. I, I'll take Strasburg for real Muto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> There's no way the uh, ownership group will agree to anything like that. <laughs> They've got a budget. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think this one could be one to watch for the Ks. But, again, if you can get a few runs off Strasburg and then Hernandez can keep the runs down like he's done lately, then it's not a – it's not a um, a sure thing that the Nationals would win this one. Well, I have not seen enough of Elias or Hernandez to tell you anything, really. I, I like what I've seen, but, you know, I, I just haven't seen that much. I've seen a lot of Strasburg. I know he's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say the Nationals win the, the closer uh, probably 6-3. to three. Yeah, I think I, I have about uh four to two so i do think you can keep the runs down and again that's a that's another one where if the marlins can snowball an inning get a bit get a home run maybe brinson shows up with his one hit of the series with a grand slam or something then you could pile on a few runs and sneak something there that's been known to happen from time to time from moose brinson (laughs) uh so yeah i i don't like predicting sweeps usually it usually comes back to haunt me um, I think he's only the second one I've predicted this year. So uh, we'll see. And I, I do think it's going to be a closer series than a lot of people think. A lot of people are thinking we're going to come in and roll you guys over, but there are some nice pieces there. Well, you know, mathematically, it's it's 
I, I, I don't mean to talk smack to you, but it, I think it's kind of foolhardy to uh, predict a sweep. Uh, a 2 1 <laughs> split is much more likely outcome than a split. I mean, than a, than a sweep. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll happy, happily admit that, that a sweep might be a little bit bold, but. Uh. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my Mets friend predicted a sweep of the Marlins, and uh, we, we took two or three out of them. So we'll see. We'll see. That's why they play the games, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, so I think that just about wraps up our Marlin series preview. So I want to say thanks to Kevin for joining me. It's been a, a lot of fun. And where can our listeners find you? Oh, uh, you can reach me. Well, you can you can read uh, MarlinManiac.com. Uh, we're right here on FanSided, MarlinManiac.com. Thanks for having me, Blake. Appreciate it. No problem. Thanks, Kevin. Again, I wanted to say thanks to Kevin for joining us. I thought he provided some really good insight into the Marlins series coming up. Uh, So that's about all we've got time for this week. Remember to check out some of our content on the site this week. Uh, Tom advocated for the reunion with Craig Stammen, which I'm sure Nats fans would love to see. I'm a huge fan of that, especially at the deadline where the middle relief needs a bit of help. And then I looked at why Adam Eaton appears to be ahead of schedule in his recovery. He's already been on the field playing catch. So hopefully he can get to more game-type drills, which would be a much-needed boost to the Nationals lineup. Remember to follow us on Twitter, at District on Deck. Give us a like on Facebook, District on Deck. Follow us on Spreaky. You can download the app and have all our episodes downloaded for offline listening. Same with subscribing on iTunes and Google Play. These two places you can also get the episodes automatically downloaded for you via their native apps. Uh, We'll be back on Sunday as the Nats face Beltway rivals Baltimore Orioles at Camden Yard. So we'll see you then. 